And it's really good to see you guys here again. Once again, my name is Mildred, and we have over here, introduce yourself. My name is Joel Wallace. What's up, y'all? This is your co-host, Rokar Well, We welcome you to the 20th episode of The Real Word. Um, Pastor Santa Cole couldn't be here with us today, but we have our guest host, Miss um, Mildred, and we also have a special guest in the house, um, Brother Joel. And Brother Joel is going to speak to you about himself, and we're going to just talk about a couple things. Um, so, um, quick regulars, we thank you for watching. We thank you for always supporting the show. We thank you for always watching us. We're on episode 28. Um, we're pushing that one year mark. This, matter of fact, this month is going to make a year since we started the show. And Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. So <laughs> it's just been a huge blessing for us to get this far. And we thank everyone that's been supporting, everyone that's been watching, because without you guys, we would have never made it this far. Okay. So, Joel, you gonna tell the people a little bit about yourself today? All right. So my name is Joel Wallace. Um, 25 years old. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um, I'm studying music at really? City College. Okay. I'm New York, located in Harlem. Uh, I lead praise and worship at the Hebron Youth Church um, three Saturdays of every month. I play guitar and a little bit of piano. And, um, my so you sing too? I can sing. I come from a singing <laughs> family. Okay, my mother, uh, my brother, and my three sisters, they all can sing. My father, unfortunately, can't sing. Um, I've been playing guitar for about 10 years now. It'll be 10 years in October. Uh, uh, what else about myself? Is um, guitar difficult to play? Um, it takes time, as with any um, task. And it takes time to master. Uh, building up finger strength and uh, building up calluses on your fingertips. <laughs> I have a quick question because I'm really interested. I don't know if Ricard told you about me, but no, I, I, I studied music at Hunter as well. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, so, do you read music? Do you, or like, are you classically trained in the guitar? Like, what, what's your background? If you gave me a sheet of music, if you give me five minutes, I could read it. But <laughs> okay. um, for the most part, I play by ear. You play by ear. Okay. Yeah. So if you let me listen to something, give me thirty seconds, and I could pick up the melody. Okay. Um, I'm not classically trained. In fact, at City College, uh, I'm trying to audition again um, into their jazz program. I had a feeling. I know they have an amazing jazz program. I wanted to go there. My brother actually went there um, for music too. So that's pretty cool. It's nice. So are you classically trained? I am classically trained. So what's the difference between classically trained and not being classically trained? Because I don't know the difference. Well, for the most part, um, those who are classically trained definitely know how to read music, um, and they know like a lot about theory. Like, um, well, I mean, some some people who are not classically trained, there are different kinds of theories anyway. Um, but the main difference is the sound, yeah. the chords. Um, so it's kind of like I don't want to go too into it because I'm not everyone understands. But pretty much, you know, when you go to church, if you're singing hymns, it sounds differently than some of the contemporary gospel music that you listen to. So you can clearly see differences. Um, so oh, that yeah. will be an example of what's the difference between like classical and jazz and the style of music you play. So a lot of times, like if someone tells me, hey, can you play this by ear for me? I'm like, okay, um, I can do my best. But I, I, I mostly feel comfortable playing by ear for like kid songs, like that has like simple chord progressions. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I, I mean, I can play by ear, but classically trained, sometimes you have your limitations because you can't just play random songs for people that that majority of us know or sing. But yeah, so it's nice to be, you know, well acquainted with both, I would okay, say. Okay, okay, I understand now. Like if someone <laughs> was to come, let's say, with like a rap song or like one that has a simple melody, it'll be harder for you to play it since you're more so classical trained. Yeah, but it depends on also how simple it is. Okay. You know, because you do learn in like some musician classes and stuff like that, like how to how to, you know, you, you expect certain, I don't want to like, you expect certain chords to go somewhere, you know, so majority of hip hop R&B songs will go like one, four, five, mm -hmm. you know, right? Yeah, kind of sort of, I mean, yeah, 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 you could put a two in there, whatever, but, um, <laughs> but for the most part, um, I can probably do like simple melodies, but um, have someone who's like, you know, like trained in jazz, like they'll take the piano and they, they'll make it sound like it's a different instrument. Yeah. You know, which is crazy to me. So I, I, I like when people are well acquainted with like different styles of music. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so cool. So what made you study music? The both of you guys, since you guys have that in common, oh, so I guess... Okay, you go first. Yeah, <laughs> let, let's hear this. Alright, I originally wasn't studying music. Uh, I attended Andrews University, nice. located in Berry Springs, Michigan, okay. from 2010 to 2015. Unfortunately, I didn't finish. And I was studying uh, computer science when I got there, but I changed my major to theology. But I've always been interested in music. I was playing music before then. And um, my goal and ambition is... is um, to be a worship slash youth pastor somewhere on this planet in the next 10 years. So music was always a natural part of me, just a natural extension. And uh, I wanted the education part so I could have all verification that I have the skills to take me to open up, you know, it's just a key to open up a door. That's all it is. So what made you want to become a pastor? Because I know a lot of people, there's a saying, it said that, um, Many are called, but few are chosen. Do you mm. believe that? Because I guess some people. All right, for for example, I'll use myself as example. As in, like, I preach sometimes, right? Ironically, I said I preach sometimes. I, I probably got like fifteen sermons by now, but it was. I can say it was. I can't say it was by mistake because God doesn't make mistakes. But at the same time, when I sit back and think, would I want to go to school and spend all this money to? be a poor righteous teacher is that what I really want to do <laughs> so I asked myself that question um, because the Bible okay it's like learning anything in school right say for example I went to school like me perfect example I went to school for law right I ended up working social services right now so not necessarily do you got to go to school for theology to be a good preacher because there's people that went to school for theology that's not good pastors I feel like and I feel like some people are pastors and some people well some people are preachers and some people are teachers too so how do you feel about that well ministry isn't limited to those who hold a title um, um, the purpose of education is to broaden um, the little that you know and expand what you don't know and um, combined with um, limited resources it seems like uh, um, a foolish decision to just spend money if you're not sure about it. But if God has called you to make a decision, um, it is a possibility that one could become a pastor. But they're not limited to becoming a pastor to do ministry. So, um, as I mentioned in New Testament, uh, uh, Christians are called a body of believers. And um, just like the body, there are different roles and different functions for each body part. But they all need to function in um, harmony in order to be. Um, a body that works and um, you don't have to preach uh, to be a minister but uh, preaching and as you mentioned teaching is just one aspect of ministry um, sharing and communicating the word and open um, so that the word can be broken and uh, understood by common folk not to say that common folk can't understand it but um, uh, it's a uh, you're more likely to trust someone who studied than someone who hasn't studied. So. Okay. And so do you uh, feel like you were called, or do you feel like you were chosen? Um, what's the best way to put this? I always felt a, um an inclining. I'll say that. That's a good word. So calling. I'll say inclining. <laughs> uh, 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 um, to do okay. ministry. I always, always found um. <laughs> found joy in doing ministry. Just any aspect of ministry. I just like helping people. Yeah. And um, I may not be as comfortable speaking out up front in front of people, but um, just helping people and ministering and, I guess, doing administrative work have always been a calling. And I just love um, sharing Jesus. So. I'm glad you're asking those questions because it kind, it kind of piggybacks to what you were saying before. Like, why do we choose music? For me personally, um, I started playing the piano from the age of about six or seven years old. And I had quit about two or three times because um, I, was a, I was a good pianist, but I felt like it was being pushed down my throat and I didn't feel like I could be a kid because I had to practice the piano for the choir while all the kids were having fun. So I was just like, this is horrible. Like, I like it, but don't, don't make me feel like I have to do it. So I went to college, I went to orientation at Hunter, and I saw 
this pianist play. And it was amazing. Um, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna minor music and I'm gonna do, um, I'm gonna take the pre-med, you know, track or whatever. I was always telling myself I was going to be a pediatrician um, and all that great stuff. So then after a while, I spoke to some people in the music department and I realized that having a minor in music was pretty silly because you couldn't really play. You could, I couldn't do anything that I really wanted to do. So they suggested that I majored in music and I did pre-med. So then I was like, okay, cool. By my junior year, it was so tough um, and it was just like, well, what do I do? Do I practice for four hours or do I study for chemistry? And it's like, it's the weirdest thing. And, and to some people, it might seem very clear. Chemistry is harder. Oh, no, no, no. When you have a performance to, to do, you know, like the next day or the next week, four hours sometimes of practicing is nothing, you know, because it, 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 there's a lot of intense work that goes into performance. After a while, I felt like I had the calling um, to do music. Now, I don't know about you guys, but even if you feel like there may be a calling, it still doesn't make life easier. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people are like, God, show me the way. Let your will be done. He shows you the way and you're like, nah. You know what I'm saying? Like for, you have to think about so many things, like what, what so many people are going to say. And at that time, I wasn't very strong-minded in the, in the decision that I made. I had a lot of people come to me and tell me, you're too smart to major in music. Many, 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 many people. And as an insult. As an, an insult. insult, of course, because they, they were like, music is a hobby, you know, and especially in our culture, and I'm Haitian. And they told you to be a nurse? <laughs> Not a nurse, but they were like, what happened to the doctor thing? I mean, still now, here and there, I'll have some people tell me, so when are you really going back to school? So that, but that's okay. A lot of them got over it over time. But um, I decided to stick with music. And it was one of, one of the hardest decisions I had to make because I had to let go of other passions. Um, like but, what? Like I, I liked, I love the sciences. I love math. And um, so those are some of the things, you know, like I was a music major, but then I was like taking, I think I took up to like Calc 3. What music major needs Calc 3? You know what I'm saying? I was just like, so it's kind of like, I felt like I kind of wasted time, um, but but at the end of the day, I chose music, and a lot of people weren't happy about it when I graduated. But um, over time, like now, I have like my music school, so it's like, okay, Mildred, I guess you weren't too bad, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes, I guess when you don't see the full picture right then and there, it's very difficult to make that decision. And I'm still working on that calling, and I'm still sometimes asking myself, was I called, or did I just just say that to myself? Because it's a very, very difficult process. But yeah, so I chose music because of passion, and I felt like, you know, that's what God wanted me to do, even though I question it sometimes. <laughs> so how did you get the idea to start, I guess, your music school? That's the question. Okay. So I don't know if she's watching. There's this lady named Carlins that goes to my church, and from about the age of 18 or maybe 17, she was asking me to teach her children how to play, and I kept telling her no. Like, stop asking me. I'm not skilled. You know, and she's just like, yes, you are, you know, you work with the kids all the time. But I'm like, just because you see me play doesn't mean I know how to teach. Yeah. So then it took me about two years to tell her yes. And I charged her like, like a penny pretty much. Cause I was just like, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Like those were like my trial, you know, people. And over time I got another student and I'm like, why well, you guys keep trusting me with y'all kids? Like, I don't know. So then I guess, you know, when I went to Hunter, and I started taking the music classes and I started learning and you know having mentors and stuff like that. I was like, okay, so I understand the process. I understand which books they need. And now it's been about like 10 or 11 years that I've been teaching. And I mean, I've grown so much. And it was just like after I just got a number of, of students, it, it just came upon me and I was just like, you know what, I think I need to start a music school. Probably after like my 20th student though. Yeah. Yeah, and now I have about like 45 or so. So wow. we're, I'm, I'm praying that it's growing, you know. <laughs> is it a physical place where the school is? That is what I'm, I'm, I'm working towards and it's very difficult, um, but that will be the next step. Yeah, absolutely. Why is it difficult finding a physical location? It's difficult to find a physical location because, well, for starters, 
Um, there's no one in my family who was a business major. There's no one in my family who necessarily ran a business and I can look at them and say, hey dad, I learned this from you growing up from going to your shop or whatever. No, like the majority of the things that I'm doing, it's really from my own experiences, um, which sometimes make things go even longer and the steps are even more difficult. And it's kind of like, well, you have to pay the rent. So you have to be cognizant of the fact that like, are you, are you ready for that step? You don't want to take on a project not being sure that you're able to continue. No one wants to start a business, no one wants to open a shop and it has to close down a year from now. So you have to be very wise and not just jump into anything, you know? So I wanna make sure that I feel ready, although sometimes you'll never be 100% ready, which I need to work on, but I, I need to feel ready enough that I can take on that step. Um, and you know, I spoke to some bankers and stuff like that, but it, it's, it's a lot that goes on in the process and you know, cause it's not just a building, you know, you need your security cameras. It's a lot of, it's a lot of money. It's a big investment to make yeah. and you want to make sure that you're making a, a wise decision yeah. at the right time. So currently right now, where do you teach your students? Currently right now, I teach my students at my church. So I thank my church for being, you know, supportive. Um, because they didn't Which have church to. church is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's at Jerusalem Church, French Jerusalem Church, which is in Brooklyn, um, on East 28th Street. Um, shout out to French Jerusalem. Shout out to French Jerusalem. And in addition to, we're having a free summer camp actually that's starting next week. Yeah, if you want to register, register by July 3rd. You can go on my page and you'll see it. But yeah. And what's the age requirements? The age is from the ages of 5 to 12. So every day from Monday through Thursday, we're teaching a different instrument. We have voice lessons on Mondays, violin lessons on Tuesdays, drums on Wednesdays, and guitars on Thursdays. So it's a free program. So if you know anyone who's between the ages of five and 12 and they're, they have nothing to do for the summer, we wanna occupy our kids, right? Wanna make sure they're not always on their phone so they can come and it's from the hours of four to 6 p.m. starting next week up until August 31st. So it's more so like an after school, like four to six years? Yeah, like a, like a music camp, oh, summer cool. camp thing, yeah. Yeah, that's dope, that's dope. What about you um, in regards to music, right? That's a good question. How can you include music into your ministry? Because I would guess that you were somewhat of a musician before. All right, so I just want to do a small commercial break. That's really, uh, uh, I want to say thank you for sharing your story. Um, cause I, I could see why, I could see how someone could be discouraged, especially, um, for those who may not have the appreciation for music, mm -hmm. discourage someone to not reach their goals. So I want to thank you for doing that. So to answer your question, um, how can I incorporate music into ministry? So when I went up to Andrews, um, only thing I, I, could, I did was play guitar and I wrote one song by the time I left. Um, I started a ministry on campus with a, a couple of friends of mine, and in that ministry, um, it was called AUAY, uh, I created a game based on the one hit TV show hosted by Wayne Brady um, called Don't Forget the Lyrics. Oh. You know what Don't Forget the Lyrics is? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. So basically, think of it like karaoke, and um, at a certain point, the music and lyrics stop, and you have to fill in the blanks. So. Uh, this was in 2000, the first game I made was in 2011, so I made the game in Adobe Flash, uh, CS3, and um, the, the game had 28 songs in four categories. One was gospel, one was CCM, one was AY songs, and one were hymns. So in each category, there were seven songs, and in each song there were missing lyrics that I predetermined where it stopped, mm -hmm. but I was the only one who knew where it stopped. So just think of it like a, a quiz game. Like uh, someone will come up, will divide the church into two sides, right? And um, say party A comes up, and I'm like, hi, my name is Blank, and this is the game. Just pick a category. So there's a board behind them, because it's a game, so it looks like a real game show, or the board, and then you pick one of the categories. They, they pick gospel, and then they pick the gospel song in the category. So it tells them the artist, the name of the song, the year was released, and how many words are missing. So say this game, um, the song had five words missing, which is a typical number of lyrics missing. So the lyrics will start, the music will start playing, 
and you'll see the lyrics on the screen. And at a certain point, the lyrics and the music stop. And now the person had the option to either answer the song, hear it again, or use a lifeline. And uh, as of last week, I just finished my ninth version. Oh, nice. So I have three regular versions, which include the gospel, which has gospel, CCM, AY songs, and hymns. The fourth version is a Christmas edition. The fifth and sixth version are 90s gospel. The fifth one is 90s gospel. The sixth one is 90s gospel with music videos. The seventh edition is uh, 2000s gospel and CCM with music videos. The eighth edition is gospel, CCM, AY songs hymns, Southern Gospel with music videos, and the ninth edition, which I just finished, is 50 songs for 10 categories, and those are Gospel, CCM, AY songs, hymns, Southern Gospel, Christian rap, 80s, 90s, 2000, and bonus. And I've taken this game um, across New York City, so we played it at Andrews University, we played it at the Andrews Oakwood Basketball Game AY program, I played at a number of churches in Brooklyn, a number of churches in Queens, some in Long Island, including even one in Massachusetts. So, um, I've used this game as an outlet to not just introduce songs, but also reaffirm songs that people have learned in the past. And um, I usually end the game with a scripture that's, that says, you know, whatever you do um, in order to deed, that you always do this, um, uh, be mindful of God. You know, we're singing praises to him. And uh, it's just a, it's a, just a fun reminder because many times when we have a music program in church, we always hear about the bad things about music. So every time I go to a church, I always try to lift up music and why we should worship, and also the diversity of music. So I'm not limited to just one genre. I try to incorporate as many genres as possible. So, so why do you guys think that certain times they try to demonize music in church? Well, personally, I feel like sometimes they give they give the devil a little too much credit. Like I, I <laughs> honestly, because look, I, 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 I feel like music is here for us to enjoy. At the end of the day, music was created for a reason. Um, I feel like sometimes, as Christians or as SDAs or whatever denomination you're in, um, a lot of times the conservatives, I feel like they limit too much of what it is that God created, and I don't know how fair that is. Um, I do believe that we should restrict ourselves from listening to certain music, um, dependent on the, the lyrics, you know, or whatever. But I, I don't, I feel like a lot of the times they demonize music because of their upbringing. And if they were involved in certain things that involve music that sounded maybe similar, then it probably has a different meaning to them. Mm. So me growing up here in the States, um, I don't connect the same way to music as someone else will. And you know, and that's the power of music. Everyone kind of connects differently. And music speaks to you in a language that you understand. Mm. So I think a lot of them demonize it because of the way of the practices that were done back in their home. So yeah. What you think, Joel? Uh, I agree with her. I would say, um, that um, cultural differences play a key part. Um, one's upbringing about of what to do and not to do helps shape their worldview and their viewpoints. And if you're not informed um, well enough to make a critical decision, you may make a decision that may seem logical in the short end, but in the long term, um, it may be damaging. Not to say that you shouldn't um, be cautious, but you should also be mindful of how you make certain decisions. And um, as mentioned, music is a, is a very large um, part of culture. If you talk about um, cultural um, identifiers, such as music, clothing, food, and dance, well, if you want to talk about a people's culture, you usually mention those four things. So, and then. How about you, Ricard? Um, I don't know if you play any instruments, do you? Or did you start to learn? I know a lot of people started piano or something. Come on, Ricard. Yeah, you know, growing up Haitian, I had uh, this father. I guess he wanted to make us all piano players, like you said. When your parents force you to do something, it's not fun anymore. So he used to bring us to this um, Sunday pastor's house. And this guy had like three pianos in his house, maybe like three pianos and two keyboards. And we were each in the room, and he taught us how to to play. Um, 
I learned how to play jingle bells, but in the book they call it crunchy flakes. <laughs> crunchy flakes, crunchy flakes. Give us something to eat, blah blah. And um, I also learned Joy to the World. I learned I learned a couple songs. I was good to the point where I could play piano with my eyes closed at one point, and I could read it. But I used to read it like like numbers, like one, two, three. I am one, not two, a three, fan four. of that, but okay. Yeah, and then I switched it to. He taught us numbers first, then he switched us to the letters, like C clef, start with the C clef, mm -hmm. and what was that one, E? It wasn't E, no. You mean treble with bass clef? Well, some it. people call it C clef, I don't know how or where yeah. they got that from, but, um, I think but yeah. That's the one that you start off with your thumb, right? Yeah, so it's kind of like yeah. using C, D, E, F, G, yeah. hand position on Yeah, so that's how I would learn it. I would learn it one, two, three, four, five, then I would learn it A, B, C, D, and then I would learn that you just got to skip each hand and sometimes you just start on the, the three keys sometimes you start on the two key or oh, you guys will know the names better than Mercy, i do yeah, cause <laughs> yeah so so after a while like we even had a piano in our house growing up um yes we, yeah we had a decent nice one too um i know that they're very heavy um as a matter of fact i spoke to a guy the other day who's moving and he wanted to donate a baby grand piano very nice i but wish i, I knew yeah facts yeah I, I, as Come on, fact, Ricard. As a matter of fact, I asked him for it. He was going to give it to me, but I had to call his movers to bring it to me. And I was thinking about putting it in my place, but I don't think I got space for a baby grand piano. But <clears throat> other than that, like... What made you stop? Uh, okay, to be honest with you, I stopped because I, I found interest in other things, you know? Mainly, um, I guess, like women and money and stuff like that. Ironically, I had, had an ex-girlfriend. She was like, oh, why you stop playing piano I said I said I said because I got more interested in getting money she was like you could have got even more money if you became <laughs> a good piano player I said yeah. I guess but I don't know I guess like, I don't think it's for everyone however now that you have a child yeah. do you feel like you have a different perspective like what if she's like I don't want to do anything you know would you be like you know what learn an instrument or try to learn an instrument do you think that you'll try to push anything mm. no knowing the benefits no, I wouldn't try to push anything because when, like I said, when your parents try to force you to do it, that's when it's not fun. Um, I would see what she likes, you know. Um, even now, when you go to church, the little kids they'll run up to the piano, they start hitting mm -hmm. it, and they'll play it. And, and there's kids that go to the piano more often than other kids. So like those kids, I guess they like it more than other kids. But I wouldn't try to force um, the kids to do anything that they don't want to do. In but general. you wanted to do piano initially. Um, yes and no. Okay. Yes, I wanted to do it because it looked fun, and then when I started to do it, it wasn't mm -hmm. as fun. Mm -hmm. But as I got better, it became more fun, but then after a while, I lost interest in it, if that makes sense. Okay, I will, didn't keep okay. my interest long enough. Maybe, maybe if I was playing, like, in a church or playing for people, or if I knew some really, really nice songs, like Beethoven or something like mm -hmm. that, because I've always been a fan of classical music. I always like classical music, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Sebastian Bosch and things of that nature like I, okay. I like the classical ones you know but and I like that song um, it's too late to apologize <laughs> I like to play those songs like my, like my brother he took a couple classes and then he had bought a keyboard for himself and he taught himself to keep playing like so he kept playing off of air and learning on his own and then he took music in college when he went to John Jay he minded in music but I guess, me, I'm more like the practical person, I guess, you could say. So, I guess, I don't know. I guess it wasn't for me anymore. Okay, well, I don't know if, Joel, if you'll agree with me, but there are many times I hated the piano. Many, many times. But I, I feel like you kind of have to pass that step. Like, and usually those who kind of like overcome that, that, that hard spot are usually the ones who make it very far. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you're like, I'm done with the guitar. No? Yes. Okay. I'm sh most musicians go through that, which is why I have a different perspective. And I feel like with kids, if they are, that can happen with anything. And the more that they're allowed to lose interest easily and, be, and that's okay, they'll do that with everything. There are many people, they start off with baseball, after a while they lose interest because they're probably not performing as great as they wanted to. Basketball, piano guitar, violin, whatever it is. So like even me as a teacher, when I tell parents, and they come to me and they're, they're like, their child is losing interest. 
I always ask why. Is it too difficult? Is it like, what is the reason behind it? Do they really hate it? Majority of the times, and I've, I've encountered many older people who said, wow, I wish I stepped with the piano. Because as a kid, you can't see it. You can't see the future. You don't understand, you know, the meaning behind it, how important it is, and you know, how, how, how good it is to be well-rounded. And you don't know how that can help you later on in life. You know, I never, never in my life did I think that I would, I would be taking steps to have a music school. Of course, I can't see that at the age of six or seven. You know, so I think a lot of the times it's like when someone loses interest, I say you make them stick through it. You stick through it, if you're losing interest, stick through it, and they will add another, we'll probably add like a sport. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But you have to learn how to stick through something. And maybe like given like a year or two or three, if they really hate it, you will know as a parent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, I mean, you probably could play It's Too Late to Apologize had you stuck with the piano, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think I still have love for pianos. I think that's why when I seen the other day that the guy was giving away the baby grand piano. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that's what made me contact them because I always had the love for piano. It's just that a lot of other things came about right. in my life, you know, that took my attention away from the piano. Smiling. Like what, you, what, what were some of the things you said again? Um, <laughs> like different things, you know, like women, mm -hmm. the streets, parties, clubs, you know. I don't know, like, and then I got a car. Because I started playing piano later on in life. Like, oh. I went, like, when my father started taking us to lessons, I was already in my teens. Oh, that's so, a hard, you know, Yeah, so I was going age. through that transition and then when I stopped wanting to go my siblings was like all right we're not going either but the guy like he wasn't even charging us much neither like he just liked the fact that people were coming to learn mm -hmm. the art I could say but you know maybe one day if I get a big enough house I get a big piano and I'll put it in the living room and maybe if I get like Floyd Mayweather I'll have Ray J come over and play the piano <laughs> piano in the house maybe it'll come back so I remember well maybe because last time we had a piano in the house it just got dusty yeah that and it sat there for a it while how okay so how often would someone have to practice in order to be good like every day you think go ahead Joel take this one you're already you're the expert I'm not the expert um, go ahead go ahead um, I would recommend an hour a day, minimal. If you can, maybe to start off, maybe you start your commitment to 15 minutes until you get comfortable. And then once you reach um, a period where you feel like you can progress, um, go for an hour. Think of it the same progress, progress of like going to the gym or studying for a class. You, the same amount of time you need for those things, the same amount of time you need to put in for anything else. It just takes time. But there are no hard, there are, I want to say there are any hard rules. Because if you have the time, you could practice for hours at end. Yeah, do that, but just don't practice. Like learn songs. Because that's the purpose, to learn songs so you could. Yeah. I guess the hardest thing would be commitment. And um, I think no matter what you do, commitment has to be, commitment and persistence are the two things that you really, really need to achieve anything. Whether it's learning an issue, whether it's going to the gym, like it's been like three weeks I haven't been to the gym and like I'm really feeling like bad about it. And now that's really hot outside, it's even harder. Um, so, but it's like, it's really, it's just going outside. Like I go outside every day. Why can't I just walk a little further to the gym? Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's so difficult. So I, I feel like you just need to cut, say, I'm going to do this and this is gonna happen. Same way you're like, I'm gonna have a talk show and it's happening, come on now, Ricard. You know, whatever it is that you really want, I always say that, whatever it is that you really, really wanna do, you will do it. Yeah, of course, I mean, same thing with me. I, I haven't been to the gym in like two and a half weeks of going on three at one point and I woke up five o'clock this morning and I went for like an hour, no, I went for like an hour and a half today and then but I feel like all those things are hard to do, and I feel like the more things that I do, the harder everything becomes yeah. to do. But like I said, like, you know, when we get that big house, 
I'll put the baby grand piano right there in the living room by the window, and I'll put on the black tux, and I'll play yeah, like I always wanted to play those cool classical mm-hmm. songs, like when people come over and I just start playing like a madman, and then mm-hmm. you know. You watch too much movies. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it ain't that simple. Like, <laughs> like a madman, I don't know. Everybody just claps afterwards, and then I grab a glass of wine, like. Like a bow, like okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I hear you. I hear you. And a lot of times people have these expectations, but just make sure you work hard for them because it takes takes a lot of work, man. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. But besides that, what other commitments you guys have ever wanted? You know, growing up or whatever, and it's like you feel like you probably still have a chance to do it now. Or maybe you'll live through your child or something. You know. Um, when I was young, I was good in a lot of different things. Um, we used to play basketball from when the sun came up to when the sun set. And I remember it was only me and this other kid on the block that could dunk, and we used to dunk on the other kids. So, like, in basketball, I was decent. Football, I was real good. But then, growing up, majority of the football games were on Saturday. So then, and then my sister, my older sister, told my mom, that football is dangerous and not to let me play and blah, blah, blah. Well, football is technically dangerous, but still, like, I was real good and I didn't get to play football, which was kind of a regret because it caused me not to go out of, out of state for college because I wanted to play college football too. Like, I wanted to go to Buffalo, BU or BS, one of the two, had a D1 school and Surprisingly enough, I found out this year that Staten Island has a school that has a D1 football team. If I knew that, like, I would have went there. Um, but yeah, like, I kind of gave up on that dream of going out of out of state mm-hmm. or going to a D1 school to play football. And you know, I could have went on scholarship, but then I stayed locally, and I graduated with no student debt, which was a good thing. But then I ended up doing something real practical. I guess I went the safe route up until this point, I guess, where like I have the cushion to do other things that I want to do. Um, but other than, than that, like when I was young, I used to rap too. I still I still rap sometimes or do poetry. I might drop it underneath a caption or on Facebook, nothing serious, but I never really pursued that career neither. A lot of different things. That's why I say like a jack of all trades is a master of none. Mm-hmm. and. I was hearing something today from some older gentleman, um, and he was saying, as a boy, it's good to have a man in your life, because as a boy, especially if you're a genius, he said that you're going to be good at a lot of different things. It's like everything that you touch is going to be good, and people are going to look at you like, how's this guy doing all this stuff? And to you, it's going to be like nothing, but then you're going to keep switching all the time because you think that you could touch every single thing, because a boy has so much energy, especially when he has testosterone on top of that, he feels like, He's on top of the world and nothing can break him. But if a boy has a man in his life, that man will guide him. And with that guidance, he'll help him to focus. If he focus on one thing instead of a lot of different things, he'll be great at that one thing. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, that's why it's very important for a man to be in the life of a boy. He said most boys, they probably suffer from ADHD and they just run around and they do whatever. (laughs) They touch everything. And if you look at a boy, he does that with almost everything from um, sports to clothes to shoes to even women at some point in his life cars everything you know you just want it all yeah like i remember <laughs> i remember <laughs> when i was in college and i was like transitioning through relationships like like i was trying to close out one but i had already started another one <sighs> and then my dad yeah, this the, you know, uh, stuff like this make me uneasy. You yeah, already know. This is what everybody been waiting for, the turn up. <laughs> so, so, so my dad, like, he had this talk with me, and then... What my, did he tell you? My, tell my, me. My dad and I, we, we, we never really had a discussion about women, but, like, he used to see my ex and my current come in and out the house at that time. So he came to me one time in my room, and he was like, listen, I have two daughters. And I said, all right. He said, he said, be a man. Make a decision. Pick one. You can't have both. And did you listen? Yeah. Not right away? 
Eventually I did. I mean How long did it take you to transition? Um, a few months. It was kind of sticky because the previous girl was kind of crazy, so she was like a stalker. Oh no! So like <laughs> she she kind of moved into my neighborhood and kind of went to the same college as me, so she was kind of hard to get rid of. Yeah. Who so made she, her crazy? Just asking. You don't I, have to answer. I, I don't know. <laughs> it could have been a, a lot of contributing factors. But yeah, she used to say she needed math tutoring, and ironically, I wasn't even that good in math, but... <laughs> yeah. You have endless stories, I love it. So yeah, like, but yeah, my dad told me to like, just pick one and, and be a man, and I think, I think that helps you a lot in life, mm -hmm. you know, when you focused on a lot of different things, when you just focus on one thing, and you're great at it. When, when you get older, then it's it's easier to multitask. Like right now, I'm multitasking. Um, by the glory of God, I'm working. I'm working on a better me. But I'm, I'm glad you're talking about like the importance of having a father in your life. I think for both females and for both males, it's just as important. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, sometimes you see the effects vividly, you know, like, when a female has yet to have a father in her life. I wonder though, here's my question. If a guy is interested in a girl, right? Or maybe even there, if, even if there's no interest, can a guy pick up that she doesn't have a strong father figure? Mm. Yes, no? You can quiet, Joel. <laughs> you wanna answer, Joel? Or you want me to go first? You go first. I'll pick you back on what you have to say. Okay, um, I've dated And girls. do you guys take advantage of that? Right, okay, I've dated girls with fathers and girls without fathers. I would say that girls with fathers, eventually the father will confront you or you'll end up in a confrontation with the father. Like, <laughs> that used to happen to me a lot. Like, um, the ones that don't have fathers, it's like it could go either two ways. Well, because some girls that have fathers, they have daddy issues too. So like right. it could go either way. They either very clingy, or like either like they love you really fast, as in like okay, this guy's showing me love. Oh, I love him. Or like they show barely to no emotion. So it's either a lot of emotion or no emotion. And how do you the, think a father? You think that is in reference to or it plays a role with whether another father is there or do you think yeah, that's just women generally speaking? I I think it has a lot to do with the father because they're searching for love from a male and depending on how they saw love in the home or the lack of love they would know how to receive it and what to do with it. Okay. Um, perfect example now that I have a daughter like when I come in the house and say for example my daughter say for example my, my my wife is holding my daughter my daughter will look at me and she'll go ah like she'll have this funny look on her face mm -hmm. and she starts laughing and then i start laughing with her and sometimes her mother just sucks her teeth and gives her to me and then me and her Take start her. playing and then i'm like what are you doing what are you doing and then she'll look at me and then she just starts laughing like and i'm like mm -hmm. i'm starting to laugh but like a lot of the, the things like you do with a baby you realize when you get older, you do it with the opposite sex too, as well. Mm -hmm. Like you know, like like when I hold my child, like I hold her. Like say for example, if I'm sitting down, like she'll she'll lay on my chest, right, mm -hmm. and then I'll kiss her on the forehead. Like when I had girlfriends, the same thing. Like I'll have my arm around them; they'll have their head on my on my chest, and I'll mm -hmm. kiss their forehead. So, so you like, mean they're looking for a similar affection? Yeah, it's just like a similar affection, just like how. When a guy has a girlfriend, he calls a baby, like, yo, baby, or well, now they change it to babe now, you I know? Like babe. Yeah, so it's like, think about it, the, the same way that your father treated you as you was a baby or a little girl, that same way that you would want your husband to treat you, like, hold your hand, especially, like, in times of either to show you love or mm -hmm. to show you protection, pull you closer, hold you tight at night, put, put their arm around you, put your head on their chest, run... Run your run their hands through your hair, pat your head, kiss you on your forehead, like a lot of similarities, a lot. So, it's so like, if if that was absent 
in that in someone's childhood you feel like they'll be a little more cold in relationships or what like it could go either way it's either they're, they're gonna be very cold and they're gonna push over the opposite sex saying i don't need you mm-hmm. oh blah blah they're either gonna be like a very strong woman like i don't need no man yeah. for nothing blah blah this and that my mom did okay. it by myself i could do it too or they're gonna be like okay it's a man yay oh the first man to show her love she's just gonna yeah, she give it up you mm-hmm. know or she's gonna be like oh i fell in love after like a week because she's never felt that kind of love mm-hmm. before or never seen it in the home so she could understand how that love is. I think when a father's in the life in regards to a daughter, she knows that there's a man that she could go to in case she has an issue with this man. Like I got into an issue like that before. Like I got, I had this girlfriend, I was arguing with her, blah, blah. I called her the B word because I got tight. She did something that got me real pissed off. And she called her daddy. Her daddy That's called right. Me. And then her he was daddy like, came over to and then, you and, then he and was put like, you in your place. Uh, no, not really. It didn't happen that way. <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess he and I know me. I mean, I don't blame him. He was from a different borough. Wow. <laughs> but, but, some reflection be like, all right, I may have been wrong. I mean, you know, you don't need to. I mean, I explained to him the whole situation, like, you know. And then he was like, yeah, I can understand your frustration, but that's still my baby girl. Because mm-hmm. that's the first time, when I was in the first time that a girl's father called me, but that's the first time a girl's father called me for calling her dad, you know. Other situations was a little bit different, but I've gotten that call from female's fathers before. That's crazy. So, you know, if she doesn't have a father, then who's going to call, you know? That's, that's, that's interesting. How about you, Joel? What's your take on it? All right. So, I mean, I have uh, the depth of experience as Ricard, but um, just on observation and just doing a lot of reading, um, I would say that uh, from the children, um, the desire for attention and uh, affection and validation um, is very important. And and how and where they receive that from their um, their fathers um, not only paints a picture of their family life, but also builds structures that may be positive or negative um, for the rest of their lives. So um, there are many examples of fathers um, um, and father figures. Um, you have from one extreme, you have absent fathers who aren't there to fathers who are always there. And uh, if you, if I just want to generalize for just a moment, you'll say most fathers probably fall in somewhere in between. Um, but how fathers show love and express love, you know, and how they show that they care, um, paints a picture. Not to go deep into too much of family dynamics, but I'll use a, I'll use fictional characters because those are easy. No one should be offended. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if you ever watch Full House, I'll use Full House because that's a good example. The father on the show is Danny Tanner, and uh, uh, I, I said this to myself: for a father, um, he was really affectionate. Um, compare that to probably other fathers, because he's like Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince. Like, uh, he's very serious. You could say he was loving, but you know you, you couldn't right, mess around. Love. Um, then you have like fathers like uh, Cliff Huxtable, you know, he was a fun dad. Just mm-hmm. examples. Um, so about Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow. <laughs> he also was an authoritative figure. You know, he was a cop, so he demanded mm-hmm. respect both in and outside of his uniform. But even though Steve Urkel caused mishap. He should have been arrested. He lived right next door to a cop. But he never spent a night in jail. But um, uh, fathers and how they show love. Um, sometimes, for uh, I can't speak for as from a female's perspective, but I know for many men, they may have a hard time saying "I love you," but they may have um, um, a better chance of showing love. But sometimes those words of um, affirmations um, can carry the same weight as just expressing that love. And sometimes um, um, what they didn't receive in one aspect of relationships, say 
like I mentioned, like an affection dad or a serious dad or a fun dad, they may try to find that in future relationships. So just something to be mindful of. I'm speaking generally right now, but there's too many dynamics that haven't been addressed. But just, if you've gotten something, you'll either look for it, but you also in the same breath. If you haven't gotten something, you'll also try to look for it. Do you think that like the roles of fatherhood has expanded as the years have gone by? Like, do you think like now there's a higher expectation from you guys? And do you guys want to live up to that expectation? And what kind of father would you like to be? And I don't know if you have a child yet or not. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but um, so if you don't have a child, I guess like in the future, what kind of father do you, would you like to be? I know, Ricardo, you already are one. I'm sure some things are changing already. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even before I had a biological kid, I had a stepchild. Um, been in his life since he was maybe one and a half. And I can say, like, he's changed my life a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, and I taught him how to do everything from holding himself when he pees to, like, even, like, carrying himself in church and things of that nature. And you can see that they emulate you a lot mm -hmm. from the things that you say to the things that you do and how and how you move. Like, and it's like people like I love you, Daddy, and I'm like I love you too. Or like when he does something, people like he's like look, I did it, and so I did a good job, right? And I'm like yeah, good job. And then he'll give me a high five. Or like he'll come, like say for example, I come from work, he'll run up to me like Daddy's home, and then he'll jump up into my arms, and then. Or sometimes, like, I'll kiss him, his, his mother, and then he's like, oh, you're going to give me a kiss, too? <laughs> like, stuff like that. Or, like, mm -hmm. we'll go to the park, and, like, he'll play. I'll push him on the swings, and then sometimes I'll be the only father there, and then other kids will come, and before I know I'll be pushing, like, five kids. And I'm like, where these kids coming from? Dad duty. So it's like, yeah, like, and then, like, because there isn't, there isn't a lot of fathers. Like, growing up in my neighborhood, on, on the block, it was probably only three fathers, exactly three fathers that I know. Yeah. And, no, I would say four fathers. Um, one died, one left, well, two of them left, technically. And it was only two left, my father and my other neighbor's father. And one father was in jail. So it was only two fathers that ended up staying on the block. Um, my father and my neighbor's father and my dad like, he was so strict on me that the other kids were scared. They was like, oh, he gonna stay away from this guy. Mm -hmm. But like, my dad, like, he always told me two things. He always said, finish school and don't get anybody's daughter pregnant before you finish school. <laughs> so those were the, the two advices that he gave me mostly. That was it. Just don't get anyone's daughter pregnant before you finish school and finish school. Um, but even now, like, as I got older, my relationship with my father got better because when I was younger, mm -hmm. like I used to rebel and then we used to get into verbal and physical altercations growing up. Like, so like even yesterday I went by his house and then we brought the kids over and then to see my dad playing with my daughter and he's making like baby noises, like that's a side of him that mm -hmm. I've never seen mm -hmm. because my dad did not really say I love you growing up because he's like the traditional Haitian, like real yeah. rough. So like. Now with my son, he's always saying, I love you, daddy. I love you, daddy. It's, it's different now for me. And even now, like when I'm hanging out with my mentors, with other gentlemen, and like, oh, I love you, bro. Like it's hard for me to say it back to them. It's easier for me to say it to the kids and to my wife than it is for me to say it to like other men that's not mm -hmm. related to me. Because it was so hard growing up. Like I didn't hear it from my father. Yeah. So like, like, I picked up a lot of his traits, I like being tough, like stuff of that nature, not being able to show love that easily, you know? And that's why, like, I always tell my wife, like, like my father raised me tough, so therefore, like, I would need a woman that's, like, affectionate to, like, I guess, hold help my me. hand yeah. through affection. But the kids have helped me to show affection better, like, in growing up, with a lot of single mothers on, on my block, like, and I was like, the old, I wasn't the oldest, but like, I was a leader, so I was, because a lot of kids used to follow me, and a lot of those kids that followed me, they didn't have fathers, and like, <laughs> one thing I used to say growing up, I used to like, 
from baby mamas having sons, God bless me, were soldiers, because I had a whole little gang of them, and it was a whole bunch of them, and most of them did not have fathers, and the way we grew up into the way we are now, I could see that it did have an impact on them a lot. Mm-hmm. Like even one of my friends, recently I was speaking to him, and he was like, yo, my, my life is messed up, and it's crazy because we grew up on the same block, I'm supposed to be where you at. And then he was like, the other day, I went out drinking with my father, went to a bar, and I'm like, dad, it's all your fault. It's your fault that my life is like this, because you messed up, so I end up a mess up. And then he was like, I said, so what's your father said? And he was like, he just shook his head and laughed. Like, he was like, he probably knew it was true, but like, there's nothing else he could have really did at that point. I said, yeah, true, but as much as you saying that, that like, your life is a result of your father's life, there's people that live a similar life that broke that cycle. So like, they disbunk your excuse to be the person that you are. But, and then I know kids that have fathers that, that still were lazy, you know? Some of their fathers was passive with them, like, yeah, yeah, it's whatever, do what you want. And like I said, like, those kids had no focus. Like, I had a kid like that, the same kid who was the other kid that had the father on the block. One day he was a mechanic, next day he was a model, next day he was an actor, next day he was a comedian. Next day he was working here, he's working there, he's working there. Until this point he hasn't really, he's he's like, he's, he's older than me and he hasn't stable his life and he's still at home now, you know? So I, I've seen the different areas and the, the different outcomes of having a father versus not having a father. Okay. Um, like I said, to piggyback off what um, Ricard just said, um, so my father, um, I don't recall him ever saying the words, I love you. <laughs> it's not that he wasn't loving, he just never said those words. And I, 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 there was never a need for him to say it, because like, you know it in the back of your head, because the way he showed it. You know, I remember growing up, um, when I was just a little boy, uh, he used to make me airplanes every time he used to come home. To, he used to take me and my sisters to the park every day in the summer. And I can imagine, you know, coming home, work from tired, but still taking your kids out to the park. You know, he made sure we always had worship every night and uh, took us everywhere, even though he may complain. Um, uh, he showed love in his actions. That's how he showed love. And uh, like Ricard said, sometimes it's difficult to say those words. It's easy to, it's easy to show it, because I, I, I love to help, I love to give, I love to share, but just to say those words, I'm like, ah. That carries so much weight, but I could mm-hmm. show it. That that's easy. Um, my father, um, uh, I would say he's a significant part of my life. He just um, he helped um, mold me, obviously. But you know, the advice he always told me to always be reading and always be prepared. And I always take those two things with me to always be learning and always to to every task I have to do to always be ready to get it done. Um, to build off of that, um, I know family dynamics have really changed since when my father was a child and when I was a child. And um, um, I would say for those dyna- dynamics now, um, there's I don't want to say there's total flexibility because you would have, um, wherever my wife would be, you would have to work out the arrangements of how the household would be run. But there'll be, uh, for the most part, dynamics of how a household can be run have drastically changed. So how one raised a child and the responsibilities, um, whether it be cooking or cleaning or discipline or just like I mentioned, taking them to the park. There's a, it's open and there's, not to say there aren't any soft or fast rules, but uh, there's more flexibility of how you could parent, if that makes any yeah. sense. Well, I mean, I agree. I, I, I think that, like, my father growing up and um, my future husband will, will see fatherhood very differently. Um, my father was the type, of course, he's, he's not really like the I love you. It's probably considered weak. I don't know. It's just, it was just not him. But he would probably call us, like, 5.30 in the morning, and it's like, you're on the phone, and you're, like, upset because... He messed up your sleep, and all he's saying is, it's raining outside, be sure to bring your umbrella when you go to school. Mm. 
And at first, used to be like, well, duh, like I can check the weather app on my phone, or like I can clearly see it's raining. But I don't know. I guess that's probably one of the few ways that he wanted to show that he cared, you know. Or if it's snowing, or if there's a blizzard, everyone knows there's a blizzard, but he's still gonna call and be like, there's a blizzard, <laughs> like it's not known. But um, but I feel like. Uh, like my husband, he'll probably feel differently because in this environment, in this day and age, it's kind of like, I think that you guys are able to see more like the, the effects of saying I love you or to be, you know, um, affectionate with, with kids. And a lot of times you don't want to be as rough as your parents were, you know, and, and it's not just guys too. Like I was like very similar too. I mean, like for me to say, I love you, like, who are you? Like, you don't like what, like, why would I say that? You know, and um, I was, I, I don't know if I would consider myself cold, but it was just like, it was just not something that was in me. And I didn't want to be forced to tell anyone I love you. I didn't want to be forced to feel anything. And if it wasn't there, it just wasn't there, you know? And I guess it was just as I got older and I started looking and I'm like, I want to experience love <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and then you, you grow and you learn and you understand that that doesn't necessarily make you weak and it doesn't necessarily, you know, yes, it puts you in a vulnerable position, but sometimes it's worth the risk if it's for the right person and, you know, whatever. So even me growing up, it's just like, I, I, I told myself, you know, I want to be a lot more affectionate with my kids or whatever. Um, of course, it's probably going to be easier said than done because you might want the whole world. And then when you get in that situation, you're like, okay, this is a lot tougher than I thought. Like, just like you said, like, it, just to say these words, you know, are, are pretty tough. But um, I think if you have the right person, you know, they can help you get to that place. You know, and if they understand who you are, then, yeah, definitely. Have you ever been in love, Mildred? I have. I have. I have. <laughs> I've been in love, yes. And it's, it's, this is what I would say. I, I would say it's, it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling and it's it's a questionable feeling because you're like, wait, hold up. I used to say all this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, never doing this. And you find yourself doing so many things that you said you never would because, you know, you love the person. And like the feeling is just, it's amazing to wake up and to, to you know, to know that there's someone out there that you feel close to or, you know, or, or vice versa. Now, what I would say though, it's probably even better to love the right person because yeah. if you love the wrong person too it, it's 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 pretty tough you yeah. know what i'm saying and um i wouldn't call it a waste but it's like it yeah it, it's not necessarily worth it but I, I think the feeling of love is is amazing and to love the right person is even more amazing that's yeah. what i would say so guys closing thoughts before we close out I don't know how we got from music to love, but that was cool. But music is love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of similarities. Yeah. It's a lot of similarities. So closing thoughts, Joel? Um, I would say that uh, starting with um, music, um, just like any other language, um, if you want to appreciate it, you'll have to learn it. And uh, once you learn it, um, once you learn how to speak the language, you can express yourself freely. And when it comes to, um, I guess, fatherhood and love and all that stuff, it's the same thing. Once you experience it, then you can experience it. You can only get what you know, what you have. So if you put in the work or you take the time, then you can share it back. Okay, that's a good comparison. Um, I would say for my closing thoughts, um, that you have to, you have to have that connection with God and, and find your calling, you know, and a lot of the times you try to run away or we don't understand or we listen to other people, but you have to, you have to listen to what he tells you and, and you go that route. And sometimes, you know, in life we want to do things, but you know, a, a lot of the time, you know, no one remembers an almost person or like, you know, I almost created the light bulb. I almost went to the moon. I almost created, you know, Microsoft Word. No one cares about that. Everyone cares about the one who did it. You know what I'm saying? So if there's something that you want to do in life, be committed to it. You know, um, go through with it. You know, if you want to be an amazing musician, 
commit to it. I know sometimes, you know, follow your passions, follow your dreams. Like, look at Ricard, look where he is right now, you know what I'm saying? Continue, go forth with it. And, um, and with love, you know, like, don't, don't limit yourself because you learned a certain kind of love, you know? Go after, you know, the love that you would want, you wanted when you were young and give that to your family, give that to your, your, your child um, and experience all that it, that it has, you know? And, and music is love and, you know, come to my summer camp. <laughs> Tell them the information for summer camp. Already did, but you know, I can probably post something on the comments or whatever, maybe cool. like a flyer. Um, I forgot to say, shout out to um, Sanders and Patrick, Patrick Legan, Sanders, Camo, my co-host, and shout out to the whole Funerals Don't Count. Um, this sad, well, this past Saturday, we were able to donate clothes and toiletries to the women at the homeless shelter, and also to, um, well, we donated to several shelters. The women's shelter, the gathering place, and the family shelter. So shout also shout out to Jordan River because the clothes that we donated were clothes that were donated um, by the church and to the church. So it's all about reciprocity, like giving, 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 and they'll come back to you in one way or another, especially when you're doing positive things. Um, if anyone wants to do community service, wants to team up with the real word, um, just Contact me, let me know. My email, raycard, R-A-Y-C-A-R-D, one to be like boy at yahoo.com. Or you can email us at therealwordtv at gmail.com. And just let us know if you want to work with us in regards to community service. Um, I thank my guest, um, Mildred, for always being here with us, um, for the fill-in mm -hmm. for Sanders. And also being a regular now, you know. Woo! She's working her way in. Eventually she's going <laughs> to have a chair. Don't worry, guys. Um, and... Shout out to Joelle for coming through. Um, we had two musicians on today, and shout out to music. Always listen to the music um, in your heart. <laughs> Ironically, your heart beats to a rhythm, and everybody's heart beats to a rhythm of his own drum. And when you find that right person, you can make sweet music together. And that Look music at you, will, Where you get that from? Okay. And that music will make a beautiful song that hopefully lasts for the rest of your life. Yes. yes. So Absolutely. that's my closing um, word. Um, Joelle, you can close out with the prayer. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to, uh, to meet on this video broadcast that we could discuss a variety of topics that we could not just go in detail about them, but we could express our feelings, our emotions, our opinions, and what they mean to us. Thank you for the opportunity to share this both in broadcasting on the World Wide Web and every um, Ricard and his team can continue to share. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So thank you for watching The Real Word. We'll be back here next week. Oh, check us out Thursday at 4 um, on television. Um, I forget the channels, but I'll tell you later. Um, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Real Word TV on YouTube. And we'll be back Monday live, um, 7.38. Thank you for watching and good night, people. Take care. Good night. Bye.